All right, I'm going to go in the intro now. All right, hit it. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 18 of Hip Squared, American Fantastic's pop culture podcast, celebrating everything from the mainstream to the independent, weird, old, and local. Troy, how's it going? I'm uh, taking to writing motivational things on my iPad for both of us, so... Okay. Good try, John. <laughs> I like uh, that. Yeah. So I always um, it's one thing I always kind of oversee at offices is the the inspirational quotes people put on their um their their personal space. Mm-hmm. Hang in there yeah. with a little kitty hanging. Yeah, you're good enough. <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> is that really that motivational? It's like uh, you're not great, but you're good enough. Somebody should. Um, your work ethic, work ethic, your work ethic is acceptable. Somebody should create more balanced um, motivational posters. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like you are extremely adequate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for the people that like aren't really that great, it's like your t- your breathing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Way to take up space. Yeah, and that's what it it should be. It's like um like. Maybe we need demotivational posters to bring you down, and then you can then the motivational posters will just bring you that up that much more. Yeah, it could be kind of like depending on what sort of day you're having, you could flip back and forth between them. Mm-hmm. It's like um, I don't know. Yeah, like just like just like you suck. <laughs> Get you out suck. of here. <laughs> well, yeah, I was thinking more like every passing second is one step closer to clocking out. Things like that. <laughs> mm. But um. Yeah, have you has your uh, work situation been tolerable lately? Oh, it's been quite tolerable. I have been. It has been acceptable. Um, some would even say agreeable. So good. yeah, no, work's work's been good. But um, I, I need more motivational. Now that you talk about, it, I need more motivational yeah. posters at work. Although at least I'm not my coworker who has like 18 <laughs> UK posters in his uh, cubicle. I did not know somebody could fit so many UK posters in his cubicle. Yeah, wait if. If you're in Kentucky, then just know that UK fans are a different species. They're just a different level of hardcore fan. I mean, yeah, they're good people deep down. Deep, deep <laughs> down, they're good people. Yeah. But they are still UK fans, so <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, now, oh, we are celebrating our season two finale. Woo! So, also, uh, oh. well... I don't think it'll be as long as the break is between seasons one and two. Um, I've had to get yet another new job at um, Kroger, which is our local grocery store chain. But my schedule is a little bit more up in the air now, and Carly just got a promotion to the library. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. It kind of balances out between my um, lower-paying job and now she's getting a higher-paying job, so the universe just evened everything out for us. But because of that, um, our schedules are still a little up in the air, and... Um, we're kind of like waiting for the dust to settle to make sure we can, um, keep coming out with episodes on a fairly consistent basis. So that's what the breaking seasons is all about. That and to renew, uh, our, ourselves and mm-hmm. go into our crystals. Rejuvenate, you know, yeah. come back with more energy, uh, more topics and, uh, I don't know. I was going to say more interesting conversations, but I think they're already <laughs> interesting as they are. So, yeah. well, that's the idea. We're going to go from... Pikachu to Raichu, that kind of uh, evolutionary path. Hopefully. Everybody knows Pikachu is still the superior one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. There's maybe... a reason Ash never evolved 
Pikachu. Yeah. You're not a Pokemon. Well, you can come up with a better analogy then. No, I can't. That's about as far <laughs> as my knowledge of Pokemon goes. Uh, well, speaking about video games, um, today I'm going to talk about the angry video game nerd. Oh, yes. A.K.A. James Rolfe. Um, and the angry video game nerd has been a web series um, since about 2004. Um, started by James Rolfe. And the basic conceit is that he is a very angry young man who talks about um, old video games that cause him no end of um, anger and angst and annoyance. How can he be a, an angry young man for <laughs> six, 15 years? Well, he's well, the I guess he's age. The character hasn't really. Okay. Um, and it's kind of funny because now that I'm thinking about it, he's sort of... He's almost like he's not misogynistic or anything, but he's sort of like the uh, over-the-top version of a um, angry video game jerk mm-hmm. on the internet. Oh, okay. So instead of leaving all these um, angsty ideas in a comment section on YouTube or a message board, he's just <laughs> spewing them all into a microphone. Yes, into the world. Exactly. And so his persona is a nerd. So he wears glasses, khaki pants, a uh, button-up collared T-shirt with a pocket protector on it. And he plays the games and has video of the game going on, and it cuts back to video of himself as well. And then he just goes into over-the-top tirades that are profanity-laden, and just uh, intensely funny, but also just, like, he just pushes every envelope that he can in terms of crudeness <laughs> or acceptability. Um, and also, content warning, this episode is going to be explicit because we're going to play some clips and really none of them are clean. <laughs> um, and that's how you would also, if you're interested in the Angry Video Game Nerd, that's the level of uh, explicitness that goes all the way through it. Yeah, here's your warning out, out front. Exactly. And, um... Well, I guess just to uh, get an overall explanation as well, the theme song by Kyle Justin explains about everything you need to know about the concept of the angry video game nerd and the humor of it. He's gonna take you back to the past To play the shitty games that suck ass He'd rather have a buffalo Take a diarrhea dump in his ear He'd rather eat the rotten asshole Of a roadkill stuck and down it with beer He's the angriest gamer you've ever heard He's the angry Nintendo nerd He's the angry Atari Sega nerd He's the angry video game And that drum beat was actually going in. So that's what we just heard is the fir- is um, the introduction to every episode. Mm-hmm. That's actually a three and a half minute song with multiple verses. Oh my god! And I had no idea until I um, ripped that sound clip that the song went on for that long. Is that, so it does that every episode. He has a three minute intro to no, every. Okay, no, it's just that first <laughs> chorus, basically the first verse of it is uh, the. What gets played every episode? Okay, I was gonna say if if every episode started with a three minute mm-hmm. intro, it's like wow, he's he's really starting from the beginning of the internet videos. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty epic. But um, so what that does is just sets the stage for him. He picks a different game every episode. 
He's also very influential as a video game reviewer on the internet because very early on, he matured along with YouTube. So as YouTube became really popular, he became really popular. And so when you think of a person showing a clip of a game, a gameplay clip, um, and kind of cutting through and doing different edits to show different parts, describing what they're doing in the game and giving critiques and uh, describing different parts of the game. It sounds so basic now, but Mm -hmm. he was one of the people that pioneered that format. And when people do video game reviews now, it's often the same kind of basic editing techniques and they might not have the over the top crude humor that he does, but a lot of the same basic pattern is um is baked into it and that's that's um influenced people like nostalgia critic and spoonie bard and a lot of other uh video game channels on youtube follow that same kind of pattern so he's the citizen kane of video game reviews yeah in a way he's (laughs) (laughs) i I don't know if he would describe himself that way but he's (laughs) he's matured along with the form of the web video okay which is really neat um Another thing that's really neat about him is he's not just somebody speaking into a webcam. He also elevates it to this art form. Um, First of all, just through the humor and the writing, it's some of the most creative um, profanity and like just rage kind of fueled um, rants. Mm -hmm. Um, they, some of them might be improvised, but they're just so tightly written in terms of, like just the, they have a nice flow to them. They do exactly. It's like poetry in a way. It really is. Um, and he also um, started to fairly early on started to incorporate skits into the games. Okay. So for example, when he did the Batman game, um, one of the people that helps him produce all the episodes named Mike Matei dressed up like the Joker and mm-hmm. started teasing him, and then basically James. Um, like kind of like took this Batman persona and started beating him up. There's a episode called Bugs Bunny's Birthday Blood, I think is what it's called. And it's based on this old um, Nintendo game with Bugs Bunny. And it's kind of like a platformer like Mario, but not anywhere nearly as good. Sure. And um, he and Bugs Bunny are beating themselves up. And where all this takes place is in James's basement. And there's just... Well, it's probably his mom's basement, but well, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of the idea. Um, but there's video games that line the shelf, like video game posters from Nintendo Power on the walls. And then there's a couch and then all the systems. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times the characters from the games will start to appear in uh, the same space as James, as the angry video game nerd. And so in this one, Bugs Bunny comes out and it's Mike Matei, who's like his is basically his creative partner in this endeavor Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of times off the camera, but he um, is dressed in a Bugs Bunny suit and they start beating each other, like going through walls and like just (laughs) over the top violence. And there's one part where Bugs Bunny finally gets the best of the angry video game nerd and then squats over him and takes his giant shit on him. And it's like practical, like goopy, disgusting, God, like physical, practical poop effects going on. And that's one of the trademarks of it is that he, so James is himself an amateur filmmaker. And I think now 
since he makes money off of it, he's a professional filmmaker. <laughs> but he's very much into like he really loves classic movies, especially classic horror movies, mm-hmm. and creating special effects on a very low budget. So that's where a lot of this will come from as a whole He'll use the video games kind of as a jumping off point to have these um, just ridiculous like special effects and um, kind of like over the top action packed scenes that are kind of just like him going all out and um, being able to express his um, his creative energy through these video game videos. So he uses the channel as an excuse to do amazing like over the top graphics and stuff exactly and and he does use some computer effects here and there but they're they're really obvious it's not like um cgi where you're trying to kind of like sneak it in there and make people forget that's what it is Mm -hmm. but most of it is just him doing these really funny um practical effects um and just to hear an actual clip of the episode, um, what I'm going to lead into now is from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, one of the first ones that he did. It's from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the um, the very conclusion of that video. Cow a fucking piece of dog shit. This game is diarrhea coming out of my dick. This game is as appealing as a fucking ooze infested, dirty fucking sewer rat shit. I've had more fun playing with dog turds. Shredders my ass and splinters my balls. This game is an inside out asshole regurgitating putrid anal fecal matter. I'd rather fucking yank all the hairs out of my scrotum. I'd rather drink diarrhea vomited out of a buffalo's anus. It sucking fucks, it fucking sucks, it fucking blows, it's a piece of shit. And I don't like it. (laughs) See what I mean by poetry? That is beautiful. It is. It's just insane how he can just string together um, all those those words that it just sounds like, um, yeah, it's like just spewing profanity, but it's doing it in such a way that... He's really elevated um, insulting people to an art form. Exactly. And, and <laughs> or, just, sorry, insulting video games. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is that that's part of the, the joke about it is that why is he getting this upset about video games? <laughs> because it's it's not like it's another person or his job or, like, a relationship that he's in. It's just the video games he played when he was a kid. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of obvious that, like, at least a part of him has never gotten over this. Um, and I guess the whole like stunted man child is part of his part persona, of persona sure yeah um and also i wanted to talk about a few other things that um so the angry video game nerd is kind of the core of cinemassacre which is james youtube channel and it's also his website and it's also the name of his production company mm-hmm. and so um there's all these other different series that have started around cinemassacre um, one of the ones, if you ever just want to watch a straight up playthrough of a video game, he does James and Mike Mondays with his creative partner, Mike Matei. Mm-hmm. And that's just the two of them sitting around and playing a video game. A lot of times it's a retro game. Every once in a while they'll dip into a new one. But these are actual good games. Oh, um, okay. Almost always with the angry video game nerds, they're really awful games. Yeah. Um, there's one he does called Board James. And I think this series is actually wrapped up, but... It's him and his friends playing um, old timey board games, oh, like man. ones from when, like when, like for Fireball Island and oh, like really just old classic board games that you would play mm-hmm. in the eighties and nineties. And then one of the newest ones is called Rental Reviews, and that's where they take a part of James' basement and turn it into like an eighties video store. <laughs> and they even have like mock 
video store, like local video store commercials in the beginning. And it's him and a few of his friends, and they just pick a different movie about every week or so, and they okay. get into it. Um, recently, they've had some really impressive guest stars. So they did a Home Alone Angry Video Game Nerd episode, mm-hmm. and they invited Macaulay Culkin on. Oh. And Macaulay Culkin plays a pizza delivery driver, <laughs> like kind of playing off of the movie, <laughs> who comes in and plays Home Alone with James, oh, or with man. the Angry Video Game Nerd. Um. He also had an episode that he did with Gilbert Gottfried recently. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and then their personalities um, play off each other. He also did one. There's a a really low budget horror B horror movie company called Troma, and I can't remember his name, but the guy who's basically like the brains behind that whole operation uh, came on. He, like directed a bunch of the movies, came on, and he's he's like a hero to James, and that was really cool too. Aww. And um. Another reason that Cinemasker and, and the Angry Video Game Nerd are really important to me particularly is because he was the first person I saw on the internet that was being really creative and coming out with a lot of really cool material that seemed like he was just a person making it. Mm-hmm. Like um like he wasn't some sort of person with a like a big movie studio behind him. He was just a person in his house doing what he could with what he had. And so that at least in a bit inspired me like when I made American Fantastic and a lot of the creative work I do because it, it kind of basically what it taught me is like, well, if this guy can do it, why couldn't I do something like this? Right. Because he's just some guy in his basement that's following his passion and there's nothing. I mean, he's, he's very talented and he's got this great sense of humor, but he's also just some guy who's doing what he can with his group of friends and whatever he can scrounge up. Right. And that's that's part of his whole philosophy, too, is he's just like, whatever I can do with all the resources I can gather and not not letting anything stop him from um, seeing his vision through is kind of like his whole... Uh, mantra. Yeah, like his whole, what he lives by. his whole method for making art. And that, to me, is always like very impressive. And so... That's another reason he holds a special place in my heart because he was the first person I saw on the internet doing that um, that I really related to and that resonated with. Hmm. I mean, yeah, he's one of those guys that, like, I remember when he first when his stuff came out early on. I had I'd seen him around and I'd always wondered. I wonder what happened to him because I like I remember him forever ago, like when. I'm, Probably not when he was first coming out with stuff, but like back when I was paying attention to that in like 2009, 2010, and I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. And then I kind of pushed it to the back of my mind and didn't really pay attention to it. And the last couple of years, I go, yeah, I wonder what happened to him. But like somebody continuing to release content for that long yeah. is truly impressive because like the grind for so many people just gets to him and it's hard to keep up and like keep keep putting out stuff. But the fact that he was able to do it is really uh, wild. Yeah, he's got a very impressive streak. Mm-hmm. I think he has almost like three million subscribers. Now. I was gonna, I was, that was going to be one of my other questions: how many like followers or subscribers does he yeah. have? I think he's successful enough now that I think it's his job, like it's his full time job. It's for, I would hope it's been. But his for, job a for a long time, it was just his passion project. Really? But, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's insane. Um, well, speaking of passion projects, <laughs> uh, not really speaking of pet, closer to speaking of video games. Uh, there's this video game that came out a few years ago that you may have heard of called The Witcher. Okay. Uh, it was this really popular video game. Uh, well, actually, The Witcher 3 was the third one. And it was a really popular video game when it came out. It was made by a studio called... Um, 
Oh, I'm blanking on it. Does it have some weird Icelandic name? No, it's got a very, um, it's like red, shoot. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, I'm, Square Enix is stuck in my head, and I know it's not them. <laughs> and it's well, not even close to them. Is it, it's an American company, right? They made uh, I think it is actually a Swedish company. It's but a they, Swedish company. Um, but it's like, it, once I hear it, I'll go, yeah, that's it, duh. Oh, man. I'll tell you in a second, if I can find it. And this is very riveting listening. I know, it's a race right Project now. Red. Project Red. Project Red. Studio Project Red, yes. CD Project Red. Project with a K. CD Project Red. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the, okay. That's what it is. Anyways, I'm not going to talk about them at all, nor the video game. Um, so that was a good waste of like three minutes there about something we'll never talk about again. Well, that's how most people know about The Witcher. That's how I certainly that's know That's true. Um, so they came out with this video game, and it got, um, I think it won Game of the Year from multiple different award studios. And um, essentially what it is uh, is it's a video game based off of a book series called The Witcher. Uh, they started coming out in 93, um, and the writer was a guy by the name of, it's Swedish, Andre, Andres Sapkowski. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. <laughs> um, so started coming out with those books in, um, it was 2000... Oh, this is the American dates. Um, I know the first ones were written in 1993, but it looks like it started really getting published as a series in 2007. Uh, and they continued publishing them up until his la- latest book, Seasons of Storms, which was in 2018. Now, essentially what it is is The Witcher um, is a character in this book series. Um, uh, a witcher by the name of uh, Geralt of Rivia who is a essentially a monster hunter or somebody who's um, paid money to go out and kill monsters. So it's kind of like a Van Helsing? Um, kind of. I. So is Van Helsing, like, was that, was that his primary job and, like, what he did was go out and kill vampires? I think it was more like a hobby. Yeah. So, <laughs> so imagine, like, a guy. So Geralt's this guy that's essentially, like, he'll travel from town to town and um, whichever town he happens upon, he'll go in and go, hey, y'all, y'all have any monsters that need killing? And that's how he makes his money. So they're kind of like mythological monsters, like, stere- like are they horror kind of they're, um So there's a ton of monsters in the universe, but the a lot of them actually follow off of like kind of folklore, okay. which is really interesting. Um, I started reading uh, the first book chronologically, which is called The Last Wish, and it follows um, him through, and this is how all the books are laid out, um, a few short stories. Essentially, each short story is about 40 pages. I and didn't realize that. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a really neat format. So are they all interconnected, or is it more like, no? No. So they're they're interconnected in the, state, in the s- sense that Geralt is in them, and that's about it. And you'll have some characters that, like, pop in and out of different stories. Um but the like from chapter to chapter, you can span any amount of time period you want because they're not very clear about it. So what it mostly focuses on is um, I'll give you an example of the first one. Uh, Geralt walks into this area and either uh, he in this case, he uh, stumbles upon some guys and gets um, escorted to the Castellan of the town. So the guy that's in charge of the law of the town. And he goes, well, we've got this issue where the, um, how do I put this? The king's 
daughter is a essentially a folklore vampire by the name of Astriga. Okay. Um, and has been killing people for the last 14 years. And we've heard there's a way to break the curse. You want to give it a shot. And you follow him where he goes in and like on this adventure and he takes de- takes out the Striga and by takes it out I mean he has to he's told specifically you can't kill uh, you can't kill this creature because it's my daughter and if she can change back well that needs to happen so mm-hmm. he goes in and like using all of his witcher powers which are um, since they're these people are like trained from a young age and they're genetically modified they have they can have like super like scent in his case, he has um, an enhanced scent, uh, smelling capabilities, sight, speed, strength, agility, all of these like enhanced abilities that let him uh, better fight monsters and, more importantly, better not die to monsters that he's fighting against. So how does that, like if it's, because it's kind of fantasy, medieval fantasy. Mm-hmm. So how does the genetic, like how do they kind of turn it, like form these superhuman? So, um... They get into it in the books, and I'm not there yet. Okay. <laughs> but I know how it works is that essentially at a young age, these children are plucked out from either bad circumstances or are somehow otherwise selected. And from there, they go through this process where these um, magicians and scientists like give them all these chemicals and potions. And if they can survive that then they and gain these enhanced abilities. It kind of seems like a fantasy version of Weapon X. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, and, like, Geralt is one of these ones that, like, he has... Um, he succeeded in a, where a lot of other uh, potential witchers failed. Because the, the whole premise is, like, most of the time people die if they go through this okay. process. But he's one of them, like, that he survived it all and like the the only real sacrifice he made is he lost all pigment in his body so he's he's like an albino yeah so he's an albino he has this white hair like this quintessential white hair if you ever see any of the witcher stuff um and he's his it gives him this nickname of the white wolf um that he kind of goes by but the whole premise is like he's a um guy that hunts monsters and a lot of it is, okay, is the monster actually the true monster here? Um, so in the case of the, um, the first story, he talks to the king and he makes a deal with the king. Well, all the king's advisors are pretty much going like, we don't care if this, this woman survives. Like, just get her out of here. She's killing off people all the time. She's scaring away pe- uh, peasants from the king's estate. Like, we need her just gone with. So... Um, one guy, like, last minute tries to run up and, like, bribe uh, Geralt to let her go or to kill her. And he, like, ties the guy up, knocks him out, and then releases him when she's supposed to wake up. Because he's, like, he was the monster. Let's see. Um, so the book series is, a, uh, so the book is, as a whole has been really enjoyable. I'm about halfway through the first book because, um... And the reason that I really started reading these is that in October, November, September, sometime soon, Netflix is coming out with a uh, new Netflix series based on the Witcher books. Okay. So I wanted to be prepared because I've heard <laughs> that the quality is supposed to be similar to Game of Thrones. Yeah. So I'm thinking it's going to be one of those like big, like really successful shows, or at least I'm hoping it is. I think that it's 
it told in a serial format or short story format because that's one thing I had no idea about. And that's that can be really challenging when you're going through with the same character each time. Um, it reminds me of the old pulp novels and short stories that came out. Like um, all the old Conan stories are written oh, like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and it's sort of vague in the Conan stories because you never really know where in Conan's timeline all the time that they're taking place. Is the Witcher kind of go back and forth between parts of his career? Or? I think um, it's it's kind of hard to tell at this point because they're so vague about so much. Like you never get a time period like this is where he is, this is where he is now, this has happened. It's It's been very nebulous as well. So like the way you're describing Conan, like I'm getting a lot of similar vibes from that. Um, and what's great about the book is it's so easy to pick up. Um we started a book club at work and like we got through the first like the first story is 40 pages you can read it in like an hour and a half and it's a it's a really nice well condensed story the second uh chapter is a similar length and that that story i would say is even better like the first one is pretty generic the second one actually follows this um this arc that's like almost a beauty of the beauty and the beast arc Mm -hmm. where he happens upon this castle and there is a like, as he's in the front courtyard, a beast runs out and tries to scare him away. But he, being the witcher, is just like, whoa, chill out, dude. <laughs> and the beast is like, wait, what's going on? Like, you're supposed to be scared. And then they go in and have a meal and have this conversation. And you get to a point, and I'll, I'll spoil this story because I, I'm so entertained by it and I want to tell it. So they have this conversation where he's, like, they're, they're having dinner and he's in charge of this castle. And the witcher's going, like, so have you tried to, uh, like, reverse the curse and fix things he's like what um i did it first like i tried like dating some women essentially like i found uh, like somebody who tried to sneak into my castle and i kidnapped him and said i would let him go if he let me be with his daughter for a year and it was pretty great like i'm super powerful and i can make things happen around the castles i want and we had a great time and then she left after a year and i didn't change back and then i realized like I have a lot of power. It's pretty awesome. I'm not actually that. <laughs> it gets to this point where he's like, you know, I don't really need to change. Yeah. I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of happy with my life as it it's is. It's all about accepting yourself for who you are. Right, but <laughs> it, it, the imagery is hilarious though, because they have this scene where like they're and it's a, it's most of the chapter where they're sitting at a table having dinner, and it's Geralt, this guy that's just like eating dinner with this. Imagine the beast from Beauty and the mm-hmm. Beast sitting at the other end of the table, just having this conversation. And it's like. Yeah, you know, I, I I thought about changing back, but, like, I have a lot more endurance than I did before. I was kind of pudgy before. Like, <laughs> I didn't look that great, so the women weren't that attracted to me anyways. But now, like, super strong. So <laughs> it's got this whole it, – it, it tells this story. Um, and that's a big part of um, these Witcher stories is figuring out – who the monster is or what the monster is because the monster that you see in front of you is not always the true monster. And um, that's a big that's a big playoff in these stories is that the monsters aren't always evil and the humans aren't always good. Yeah. Like human humans more often than not cause a lot of the troubles in this world. Um, a big part of the plot is that this world used to be like inhabited by both elves and humans. And there was this war, and essentially the humans won. And now elves are pretty much like illegal, like illegals that are yeah. running around. And how does he interact with these two groups? Um, so what I would do is I would recommend you check it out. It's a great, it's a really entertaining series. Um, 
Geralt play is played as this guy that's he's um he doesn't have a huge personality so you can like you can play along with him but he's also got a really cutting wit so he yeah. does keep it funny okay yeah it sounds like a neat um kind of read especially in the serial format now so i'm interested in playing the third game because it's supposed to be one of the best rpgs to come out in recent memory right i tried playing through the first one and it's actually one of those things where knowing what I know now, I think I'd have better luck paint playing through the first game because the first game is built very much on that format where you have like something like a case, if you want to call it happening, and you have to go through and resolve, well, who do you think did it? And who is the bad guy in this? And you have to resolve it that way. And there's a few of those. Knowing that now, yeah. I think I'd be in a better spot. When I played it, I didn't know it, and it was very confusing. Um, but yeah, the first one's okay. But I've heard the second and the third ones are very good. Okay. Neat. So we have a video game series, a book series that came first, and now a Netflix series. So that's neat. Something must be good about them, man. <laughs> I guess so. That's, that's where I was at. I was like, okay, they're, they're, it was a book, then they made a video game, and it was really popular, now they're making a Netflix series. Something has to be good about these. i got to check them out. Yeah. It sounds like it. Well, I look forward to checking that out. And if anybody is in the mood for any profanity-laden uh, video game reviews, uh, go check out the Angry Video Game Nerd. And, yeah. Yep. <laughs> it sounds like right to uh, yep. different ends of the spectrum. But... Be prepared for the for the profanity. Yeah, exactly. Um, we want to thank you so much for listening to Hip Squared. Uh, like I said, this is our season finale. Uh, but if you want to keep up with what we're doing and uh, when season three is coming out, follow American Fantastic on Facebook. Uh, that's when we announce new episodes coming out. You can also follow us on Google Podcasts and iTunes. Uh, rate and leave reviews for us there. And if you'd like to go to AmericanFantastic.com, you can check out all of our other audio content, too, like the American Fantastic Radio Hour, produced with ArtFM, uh, 50 Talk 2, our long-form interview show, and all of the episodes of Hip Square, the first two seasons. Uh, we were produced tonight by Mayplex Monk. Uh, if you want to check out more of Mayplex's work, you can like Mayplex Monk on Facebook. Go to mayplexmonk.com to see all the other things he's got going on. Um, and if you'd like to get any intro and outro music for your project, any royalty-free music, uh, go to danosongs.com. That's who does our intro and outro music. Uh, thank you so much, Dano, for letting us use that uh, th through our time thus far uh surfing the pop cultural waves um if you want some mid-tro music he's pretty good for that too yeah, so yeah. interstitial mm -hmm. <laughs> i like mid-tro i'm gonna coin that word intro mm -hmm. i think that's a pretty good yeah, word intro and your outro and your mid-tro it's right in the middle i think mid-tro kind of sounds like um like you're like a like a f retro futuristic fantasy city Mid-tro. Oh, okay yeah I, I got that or like uh i can see that being like a cyberpunk or a uh or like a what am I trying to think of? Or no, like cyberpunk or Shadowrun, like kind yeah. of city midtro. I, I can see that. Or like a robot dog, little midtro. Yeah, <laughs> maybe like do robotic barks. Bark, bark. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Troy, is there anything I forgot? No, nah, I think we got it all, dude. All right. We'll see y'all for season three. All right. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.